Welcome to the Gamers Inn. Come on in, pull up a chair next to the fire. It looks like you've had a long journey. I'm your host, Jocelyn, and joining me as always is my co-host, Ryan. Hello, Ryan. Hello. We're back. If Man, it's been a long week. Oh my god. I know. I, I kind of can't believe it's Wednesday because for the first time since January, I've been home this week on a kind of forced vacation. So... It kind of goes by really slowly when I don't have to go into the office every day. (laughs) Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, so we're both, we're, I mean, we're not, I I can speak personally to myself, like, I, we've been, we've been mandated to work from home, telework, basically. Not that we're... Yeah, us two through, like, um, the first week of April, so. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of sitting here and being like, well, I start parental leave on, like, the end of March, so I guess I've just... I'll get used to being at home for the next, <laughs> yeah. you know, forever. So let's do this. Uh, but, you know, I'm not, none of us are uh, exhibiting symptoms. Uh, we're just sort of self-quarantined. It's weird, though. Like, it's like, it's a ghost town out there, um, you know, and uh, people are just keeping their distance. And it's, it's, it's really good. I, I think it's, it's working so far. Like, people are being very patient at least here in peterborough i don't know i don't know about your neck of the woods but it's it's been fine here so far yeah it's been fine here so far other than you know empty shelves of everything like we can't find anything that we need anymore but i mean we're we're fine like we've got good stocks of stuff like we've got you know food for weeks we're fine we've lots and lots of uh like canned things and Mm -hmm. and non-perishable stuff so yeah we're fine um we have like four things of pancake mix so you know worst comes to worst we'll just have pancakes for a week and you just have extra like uh extra wedding party gifts that you have for your syrup you're just like well yeah dip into the box let's go Uh, we actually like totally aside we actually had pancakes with our wedding syrup um for our one year anniversary oh that's nice that was yep. also delicious, but uh, very delicious. But yeah, total aside, total tangent. We are just tangents galore here uh, at the start of the show. But we do have a lot of stuff to talk about. And the first thing that we're going to talk about this week is uh, what we've been playing, which is Ori and the Will of the Wisps. So this is the sequel to uh, the Blind Forest that we were playing uh, the previous two weeks, and. We both as as far as I know, we both got this on uh, Game Pass Ultimate, right? Yes. Yep. Okay, so I played the original Blind Forest. We started on PC, but then I ended up moving over to Xbox because just like playing on the couch on the big screen, like the game is so beautiful. It felt like playing it on a monitor was almost like doing it a disservice once I actually went and played it up on my 4K TV. Like it's such a gorgeous game. So when Will of the Wisps came out, I was like, okay, sweet. I totally want to go play it on the Xbox. Like, this is the, the it's going to look so good. It's this, like, updated game. Ryan, I don't know about you, but I, I know, well, I know that you don't have the, the launch Xbox anymore, but I still have my launch Xbox One, and Will of the Wisps <laughs> did chug. <laughs> like, yeah. so bad in some spots. And uh, obviously, in it's kind of like a platformer, like timing game and uh yeah it oh man it was rough to play on the xbox yeah so from what i've been able to tell and, and i'm playing on the xbox i played uh i'd say three quarters of it 
on the Xbox One X, and then I did switch to the PC, in which I texted you. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's night and day. Yeah. Uh, having played Ori in the Blind Forest Definitive Edition on Xbox One X, it's buttery smooth, but it's a five-year-old game that's been remastered or at least bumped up. Um, but then playing Ori in the Will of the Wisps, even on the Xbox One X, there is uh, hitching that appears to me at least to be attached to the autosave feature. So something we talked about last week mm. in Ori in the Blind Forest was you had to do those checkpoints. Yeah, you manual. had to remember to actually make your manual save points. Yeah, yeah exactly. And uh, of course, in this in this one, it, it's autosaving, which I thought was, oh, that's great because I would often die. And I'm like, yes, the autosave, the checkpointing is very generous and almost to the point where it's detrimental on these consoles because there is a hitch you know i'd say one every three auto saves it gets a bit of a there's a bit of a chug like straight up sometimes it will freeze other times it will just well yeah because like it it would like freeze the for me anyways like freeze the visual but like the audio would keep going so then I was like, okay, is anything happening? Like, should I be pushing buttons? Like, what oh, what's I going on? Like, well, yeah, obviously. Yeah. I mean, that's your instinct. <laughs> See, oh, that's the right gamer thing to do. <laughs> when in doubt, match all the buttons. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, that's that was the thing that I was noticing most was that the visuals would freeze, but the the audio would keep going. And, uh, yeah, that I think probably like you call it a hitch, like in some cases it was like 10 or 15 seconds for me, which might oh. be the difference, the performance in the Xbox one to the Xbox one X. So, uh, yeah, it would, it does not perform well on Xbox one, uh, the original launch hardware. So I would, because this is game pass, I would highly recommend transitioning over to the PC if you're, if that's the way that you're, you're getting Ori, because, it's not really doing well on consoles. No, it's not. Um, it's it's not what you're using. like having played the last one just last week, and, and it's night and day. You know, the, mm-hmm. the other one, the map loads so quick. In this one, every time I'd, I'd hit the map button on the Xbox One X, it would take a noticeable amount of time to pop up, and uh, I noticed some some weird like pop ins. So, you know, uh, characters would load in, you know, late, so they'd kind of pop in and, uh, you know, you'd, you'd, you'd get hitches mid-action. I mean, it wasn't impossible to play. I still really enjoyed uh, every aspect of Ori and the Will of the Wisps outside of the performance on Xbox, but playing it on PC. So the other benefit of uh, Xbox Game Pass Ultimate, or if for some reason you own the game on both consoles if you want to support the developers in that way uh the the save will sync between your xbox one and the the xbox version on your pc i know right and this again this isn't like there's an there's an xbox like communication app but the one that you're looking for to manage like game pass and your games and stuff you want to find the Xbox and then in brackets, it has beta in the name. That's the app that you're looking for. I know we've talked about it in the past, but uh, might be some renewed interest with uh, people looking to get into Ori. So the app that you need for Windows is called Xbox and then it has beta in the uh, in the title. That's the one that you need. So when you're looking in the Windows store, go for that one. It's I've got to say the Xbox app. It's not terrible. I just like, I don't know, it just 
I feel like I want to just launch my games. <laughs> like, I I don't know. I, I hate that I have to have my game running and another app on top of that. Like, there's no games that you can just, just launch. Just streamline. Though. Huh? There's no games you can just launch. I mean, I think that 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 uh, I mean, you're I'm not saying your opinion. Well, I guess wrong. It, just, you're. Just... Yeah, that's true. I mean, I have a Battle.net launcher now for my mm -hmm. Blizzard stuff. I have Steam for like Dead by Daylight. I I get it. It's just I, the I, Xbox I, app itself is so clunky that I'm just like, oh, man, like it just feels like there's like 10 more clicks than there should be. Anytime I want to get to my friends list, get to my games, like whatever. I just I don't like the interface. I don't like the interface very much. Well, the, the um, thing is, it should be because it's Microsoft, and you're already using a Microsoft product, which is Windows 10. I think that's why. It's, it's like why, why isn't this just built in? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I get it. And you know, I remember when Vista launched. Th there was the oh the games folder. And it was literally just a, a, an app called Games, but it just loaded up a folder and would present your games in sort of a more visual way. It was it was a launcher, but it was it was it wasn't. It was just a folder yeah. with executables, and like maybe that's what we want is just a folder with executables and not have to worry about community and achievements and forums and reviews and streams. I don't want to read and reviews. All this, yeah. They're all terrible. No. They're all, yeah, no, I'm, I'm totally on board. So no. anyways, that's the, um, the launcher that you need is the Xbox mm -hmm. beta one. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I, <sighs> once I got on PC and the mm -hmm. performance issues were gone, I am totally on board. Like it was a really beautiful game and the, okay. So not only was it beautiful, but they, they did have a lot of changes to, like the combat and the and the world. Oh yeah. Which I I really, really liked. And the reason the thing that I liked most, the the features that stood out the most to me, I mean they, there were so many changes, but the feature that uh, stuck out the most to me is I really liked all of the like other characters that were present in the game. Like the little dudes with like the challenges and stuff that you could just like talk to and interact with because in the previous game in blind forest it was like everything that you came across was like an enemy there was there was no one else that like there no friendly people no npcs like nothing in the in the world it was just like platforming puzzle and enemies and this game will of the wisps just felt more like lived in it felt like a more realized like world and i really really liked that Mm -hmm. No, you're right. It, it, the first thing I noticed about this this game is it starts off in the world of Blind Forest, um, the original sort of area, just in cinematics, and then immediately and a bit of gameplay, but immediately you're transported to what feels like a different uh, a different world, but it really is just a an area across this ocean or this vast yeah. distance, and. Um, you're introduced to to way more characters than you were ever introduced. Like I think the first game, there were no characters. It was just no. There you. was basically like you, your little ball of light, and mm -hmm. kind of the tree, kind <laughs> and, of the and tree. and then and then the bad guys, right? Like the enemies and the and the giant like owl dude. Oh yeah, yeah. The bad the, there was yeah. a bunch of a bunch of the the monsters, and then yeah, the in terms of sentient characters. That yeah, were with sort of present. Story. Yeah. There was really just you uh that yeah. I can remember. The the owl 
while having a, a story was was still really like the the face like the bad guy that kept showing up but yeah i i think you're right like the this one ha- has a much more lived in world where literally you are given a home base to sort of mm-hmm. upgrade by find so you're finding all these collectibles and what they've done is they've uh they've got given you a new collectible to find which is like the golic ore or something and there's a project menu which i gotta say i love me some project menus in video games where i collect stuff and then i slowly build things up that's my jam in these types of games that's why animal crossing is like oh can't wait but or in the Will of the Wisps allows you to build up this home base that opens up new areas and new quests and new dialogue and new characters. And yeah, it's small touches and it's optional, but still really, really neat touch to kind of show a world that not only is lived in, but a world that you are actively impacting with your actions. You know, you are building right. homes for people. You are... Uh, you are you are saving these these folks from the decay, right? You are mm-hmm. cleansing the lands, and it's like, man, Ori just comes out of nowhere and starts saving the world, and it's like, man, like this guy's got it going on. Like it's a small cat thing, but I mean, he's doing all right. <laughs> Is he a little cat thing? I guess he's kind of a. I think I, it's the face, know. you know. Mm. See the big floppy ears. I feel like I've I've. Seen seen an animal like that but i just can't put my finger on what he is but mm. yeah the big giant ears just aren't cat like to me but yeah you're right he does have kind of a cat ish face but i see just see yeah. the eyes and mm. uh, i guess i don't I, I i get you on the long long ears but um this this game is uh it, it's very very touching um the story i so i finished it i actually 100 percented it just before we we started recording because I couldn't stop playing since it launched last week, and it's uh, it's a it's a longer experience than the first one. I'd say it's about mm-hmm. like you know twelve to fourteen hours, depending if you're trying to to a hundred percent it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I mean, I didn't have much cleanup to do uh, once I finished the game because I was pretty thorough as as I was going through. But uh, there's so much in this that just improves upon the first one. Like we talked about combat, but. There are these active skill slots that you can set, and you have total hey, wait control a second. of that. What? When you say you 100%ed the game, mm. do you mean you have 100% of like the gamer points? No, 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 no. Because oh, those are like, okay, I'm like, beat the game on hard an and don't touch water. There. Yeah, there's an achievement in there for never dying. And no. I was going to say, no, no, holy no. shit, Ryan. Nope. Not even <laughs> okay. going to even attempt it. I, the, the weird, the, so maybe the most completionist thing I did with the game, when I say 100%, I, I visited every nook and cranny. I collected all the collectibles. It's not that hard to do when, as you're zipping around, it's just you, the movement in this game is so rewarding that you almost, when I finished it, I was like, I got to get everything because I want to keep playing and moving around is just so satisfying that I just, mm-hmm. I got to, I got to finish the map. Now, I think in terms of achievable achievements left, I've got maybe unlocking all the upgrades for the spirit shards, mm. but that's just basically farming light and I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It's not really my, I mean, maybe if I have so, some time, but. Yeah. So then what did you think? Because the kind of big combat change in this one was basically that you would unlock the skills as you go, which you did in the first Ori as well. But then you had to kind of like assign three powers to your buttons. 
and you got to choose which ones of your whole big wheel that you were going to like use all the time in whatever situation. So instead of just having access to like your full kit all the time in the first one, which was a smaller kit, um, you now have a larger set of moves, but you have to choose specific ones. So mm. how, what did you think of like the comparison between those two systems? Well, I think it's just, it's, it's more, it's so much more advanced than, than the first game where you immediately right off the bat, you're given this like sword attack. Yes. Whereas yeah. The, the sword one, thing was, was kind of like this. Yeah. It was such a, it's so different, right? Because mm -hmm. in the first one, you just kind of like spammed to throw light balls around that kind of like auto selected your targets. Mm -hmm. And then in this one, like you're actually swinging a sword and it just, it felt so different. And mm -hmm. I don't really know which one I preferred. Like, cause there's so many games where you're like shooting things and hitting things and stuff. I don't know why, but like throwing around balls of light felt more like whimsical and magical. The sword just felt so common. Does that make sense? I think, you know, it makes sense. And I, I think as you progress through the game and you unlock more abilities and they all start to compound, I never didn't i never removed the sword from the x position that was my my right? default <laughs> um but i think where you comparing the two games the first one felt like you were always running away it always felt like the game was designed to make oh you yeah feel... i would like run in like mm -hmm. shoot a couple balls and run away get a little closer so i was in range shoot a couple balls and run away <laughs> mm -hmm. you're always on the defense whereas in this yeah. one you you play defense and offense as you're coming in you're doing your sword attack you're getting out of there or you're you're bashing them to to move out of their way and and all the abilities you unlock along the way do that you know maintain that balance where like this is this is a literally you you dodge back and you throw a giant spear very offensive but a little bit of defensive and then there's another one mm -hmm. where it's like uh there's some other there's some other ones where there's like a like a the like a float you unlock the float option and again it, it's very it's a very defensive move where you can kind of blow you know people away with uh with a burst of wind and i think that the game balances it well while also allowing people to be you know who i'm gonna be on the offensive all the time and they can equip all the offensive abilities and then they can go mm. into you know other systems and you know tech their character their ori to be more offensive and and be and that get is more true. rewards to be offensive. Yeah, that is something that I do like about the second about Will of the Wisps over Blind Forest is that it does feel like you can build out your character and and play your own playstyle where the first one was very much like this is Ori, this is how you play. Mhm. Mm yeah, exactly. The first one was very much straightforward and the second one this feels like there's way more customization. There's more areas to explore. Uh, exploration is a lot of fun. A lot of Metroidvania stuff where you're you're clearly seeing something that you have no ability to to bypass. Yeah. Or you have no way to reach that ledge. And sometimes you'll be like, you'll try to grief it. It's like, no, I know I can do it. When really it's just like, I'll remember this spot or I'll see it on the map and I'll come back. And, you know, they've gotten rid of, uh, in the first one, you'd find these map stones kind of scattered all over. Mm -hmm. In this one, you talk to a little guy named Lupo or whatever, and he sell he he does he makes maps and he sells you one, and yeah. uh, it works really well. And and all these characters 
are kind of constantly popping up. Like there's this bird. Well, that's kind of like, yeah, that's, that's a perfect example of like what I, what I was talking about is that mm-hmm. like in the first game, like both games have like a map component, right? Mm-hmm. But in the first game, it's like, it's built out of stone. You find the broken piece, you take it back to the larger map and then you insert it and it like makes it all light up. And then all of a sudden you can see the map of the area. Whereas in Will of the Wisps, you actually like talk to a character and interact with a vendor and like it just all makes it that much more lived in and that much more of like a fleshed out world with characters that you're actually going to care about than Blind Forest, which was, you know, rock and stone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, in this one, again, like they kind of they both. Sorry, sorry, sorry. No, no, go ahead. I was going to say, they both, like, um, I'm not necessarily saying, like, one is better than the other. Like, I did like the, um, some of the isolation, I think, fit Ori and the Blind Forest really well. Um, just, like, story-wise and, and everything that was going on. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, I, they both have their, their pluses and minuses for sure. But mm-hmm. I think I, I fall on the side of Will of the Wisps in terms of, like, world story building (laughs) yeah and i i I agree with you i I think will the wisps um characters and stories and setup it's all a it's all a one-up from as any sequel should be like this is this is a really really good sequel because it takes what was great about the first one and expands upon it in in ways and doesn't wreck it anticipate (laughs) yeah i I honestly (laughs) when i started playing i was shocked by characters that i was talking to and again this this is sounding weird if if you never played the first one or you're just like oh my gosh there's characters and you can talk to them it's like yes and that's that's uh and they do it in such the art is amazing and the music and the visuals it's all so great and one of the criticisms of the of the first one again going back to the point of being on the defense anytime you ran into a boss character you were running away and your actions as you were running away would either would well in the first one was literally like you just escaped and then you'd fight you would quote unquote fight the bird again but really you'd just be running away in this yeah. one you you it sets you up where you're running away from from the wolf at the very beginning and then you you get cornered into an area and a health bar appears and you're like what i got to actually fight th- i had no idea that you had to fight bosses <laughs> in this because in the first yeah. one you're constantly running away. So, so this health bar appears and I'm like, oh, oh, we're that fighting this guy. Spider thing, man, that was creepy. Oh yeah, oh, I did. Wow. I did not like that one. <laughs> I, I was playing it and I'm like, mm, Jocelyn isn't gonna like this. But but it does. No, have Jocelyn a, did not. <laughs> did you finish it? That that no. area. Okay, never mind. I'll let you finish it. it that's a, that's about where I am. <laughs> I the, and and again, like both of these games are are easily played um they're very easy to pick up uh they're very you know i i wouldn't say they're hard to master but they're fun to master uh in the sense that it it is is very achievable to to sort of work your way through this game and have a lot of fun just exploring and and doing the combat from a story perspective if you haven't played the first one um and you want to jump into the second one know that the second one is going to spoil some moments about the first one i mean as any sequel would yeah Um, but if you haven't played the first one you want to jump right into the second easily no problem like i think you're given the same context to the characters in the intro as you were in the first one there's not a lot to set up it does it does kind of assume that you've played the first one when it comes to like traversal and movement though 
Yeah. Like there's yeah. there's kind of a lot of that like um like the grab the thing and and shoot yourself mechanic. Mm. Yeah, and there was uh, Which if was... if you didn't like it or if you didn't master it or if you never played the first one, um the Will of the Wisps just kind of throws you into the deep end. Yeah, there was a, a specific moment where I felt it and it was um in the first one there's like a down move like a like a I don't know what they call like it. Like a butt stomp. Butt stomp. I was going to say butt stomp, <laughs> but yeah, like a butt stomp. Um and in this one you don't get a butt stomp, but you get a you get a move early on which is like a spirit hammer and then you can crash down into things and it was just a different ability so I never thought anything of it, but I kept coming across these like breakable floors. I was like, "Well, how am mm-hmm. I supposed to get through these? When do I unlock where's my butt stomp (laughs) how did i forget to butt stomp like honestly like how do you that's my concern with with ori is like he forgot all of these key key and that's that's typical metroidvania like the sequels like oh i mysteriously forgot now they do some story things to to sort of explain some of the things you forget or or have the ability to do um but yeah the butt stomp you don't do the butt stomp which probably makes sense like butt stomps I mean that's how you hurt your your and he's got an actual tail. I mean that would hurt. Yeah. Um. So the fact that he's replacing his butt stomp with just a hammer, he he probably he probably realized like if I want to get through this game, I'm I'm gonna want to stop <laughs> busting my, my butt. butt. <laughs> 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 so, oh my god. Yeah, we did it. Uh, but it's a we great game. It. Um. Yeah, it really is. And so again, um, you guys can get it on Xbox uh, Game Pass Ultimate. Or you can buy it on Xbox or on PC. Uh, it's also available for purchase through the Steam store. Um, I imagine at some point it'll probably be on the Switch because it's not on the Switch right now, right? The f- yeah, this one isn't on the Switch. It is it is a Microsoft published game, but yeah, the first they, one did they come did on port, the Switch. Yeah, they did port uh, Blind Forest over to Switch. It's just not available on uh, the PlayStation, but... Uh, I would imagine that Will of the Wisps will come to Switch eventually, but uh, yeah, right now it's a uh, Xbox and PC exclusive, but that does include Steam, so go and check it out. I uh, wanted to remind everybody that if you do like the show, you can head on over to patreon.com slash thegamersin to support what we're doing here. You can also head on over to bit.ly slash TGI Discord if you want to join the conversation or send us any kind of feedback on what we're doing. Uh, and part of the conversations that we've been having over there are around some of the news that we're going to talk about this week. So um, this happened right after we recorded last week. And since then, (laughs) basically, everything is canceled everywhere. So our first story was going to be about E3 being canceled. But uh, yeah, everything is canceled now, like everything. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So um, E3, so GDC, I think, was uh, postponed to summer and E3 has been actually canceled. Now, some of the presenters have said that they're going to um, like do their stuff online, basically. And uh, E3 itself, I think, has talked about they're trying to pull together like an online only um, conference, basically. But uh, I mean, the big thing is there's going to be a lot of like, I think the person, the people that this kind of impacts the most are uh, indie developers. Like they're going to miss all that face to face time. And uh, I hope that uh, it's it's not too it's not too big of an impact. Like I hope that they can still get their games in front of the the right people, even in an online only environment. But it's hard, man. Yeah, no, and I think that's uh, with E three being canceled, and and like you said, GDC. We're gonna see a lot of this coming forward. I think um, 
you know, it's going to be weird. I think as we go week to week with this show, and now that we're doing more of a focus on news, we're going to have, I'd say, one coronavirus-related story a week where something's being delayed or or canceled in terms of a yearly event. But there was a lot... I follow a lot of PR folks um, in the game industry, and, you know, while you have the journalists who are who are bummed about E3 not happening, you also have the, the people in the industry who are talking about the value of these trade shows and these conferences where you can have behind-closed-door conversations. Like we just talked about Ori in the Blind Forest being on the Switch. Those type of moves don't happen unless companies have conversations and one of those conversations could possibly have been you know phil spencer saying like what if we you know would it be possible to put this game on the switch it'd be a good fit you know and that's that's like that's totally pulled out of my hat but conversations like that happen all the time at these events and sometimes when these in-person events don't happen where you just happen to run into the right person yeah just uh, these deals don't get made um you know a lot of I'm sure there are anecdotes out there where it's like this this game wouldn't exist without sort of an off chance conversation uh, in person where people are coming from all over the world. Like, you know, Microsoft's based in Washington. Um, Sony's in, I think, I think a majority of their like other developers are in like California. I can't I don't actually know, but I know Nintendo's in, in Washington as well. But it's uh, it's interesting, uh, obviously, in Japan, <laughs> too, of course, but. I think uh, it being canceled, a lot of gamers are, are you know, a lot of people look at this as like, oh, it's the death of E3. It's like, I think a lot of events are going to have to deal with with this virus. and, and uh... Yeah, and I think because we've talked about, we had a whole conversation a few weeks ago about uh, trade shows in general. And I feel like I still stand by everything that I said what you're talking about the the value of kind of just bumping into the right person and that's not something that really happens online um but at the same time like i still do think that there's like a ridiculous cost to a lot of this stuff that could just be pulled out of the main trade show floor like yeah oh yeah i think i think all the the overblown like e3 stuff the the big presentations and everything else like it's a little unnecessary yeah, and I mean, if you look at, at it, look at it as an industry event, do you really need Tom Nook running around? You know, yeah. Do, do you need, <laughs> uh, do you need The Rock? You know, in your booth, being like, eh, Xbox the best. That's not my Rock impression. I, uh, <laughs> I was like, what's he going for? What's what is what is happening right now? <laughs> I don't. It's nothing. It was just. It was just Ryan saying something that the rock would say xbox is the best (laughs) xbox Uh, is good (laughs) yeah but if you if you were to turn e3 back to an industry event and then have all of the press conferences be literally nintendo directs because that is what we're going to get this year um yes yeah nintendo is obviously going to do one uh microsoft is is has stated they're going to shift to a digital event sony was already not going so they're going to do their own thing ubisoft's confirmed a digital event i think some uh, there was talk that Warner Brothers was going to do one as well because they've got like a new Batman game and a new Harry Potter game to to sort of unveil. Yay. So <laughs> I, I think you could see a very different E3 in 2021 if uh, if the ESA is willing to make some changes. But we we saw before E3 was canceled, there were rumblings that E3 was going in the opposite direction, focusing more on 
consumers and uh, a consumer based event to try to make money as opposed to be a be a an industry, an industry event. Show, yeah, right. So yeah, and this is this. So this is the kind of thing. Is the ESA actually said that the in 2021 they they are still planning to do an E3 and but they're taking the opportunity to create a reimagined event. To bring fans, media, and the industry together in a showcase that celebrates the global video game industry, which is, yeah, a little bit of a flag, right? Like, that does seem like they're being more consumer-focused, and it's like, well, that's not really... Like, we have packs for that. Mm -hmm. So, I don't know. I'm, I'm, uh, yeah... I'm kind of on the fence about what E3 2021 will look like, but uh, they did also say that... um, they are going to be doing refunds for exhibitors and attendees. So they're kind of figuring things out and working with everybody to figure out what's actually going to happen this year in 2020. So as soon as we know a little bit more, uh, we will let you guys know. But it looks like um, they're still aiming for the same sort of dates. So like the, the whole of June, what is it, like 8th to 10th or something or 9th to 11th, sorry. Um they're still aiming to do presentations on those kind of dates. So uh, once we have more firm plans, we will let you guys know. But yeah, there have been a lot of things canceled and probably some delays coming down the pipe due to the coronavirus. So we will keep you guys informed. Uh, as far as CD Projekt Red, we've got Witcher things. Yay, more Witcher. Yay, more Witcher. Officially confirmed. Now, this is not Witcher 4, right? Well, see, this is the thing. They've they've built it, and I'm getting an ad. Uh, they've built it. Now it's, this is playing a, an ad that I can't mute or pause. That's fantastic. Uh, not that oh. anyone heard that. <laughs> I'm like, I'm, I'm battling with the tag because I'm trying to read it. it I was like, the only thing that I can hear is Ryan's mic. So I, I was very confused for a second as to what the problem was. But no, yeah. And, so. and, and, and the people <laughs> listening to the show will also share in your confusion. So I apologize for that. But it's, okay. um, they, they're saying it's not, it's not a sequel to Witcher 3, but it is a Witcher game as, uh, as, as we anticipate, you know, it is a, it's an, it's the next Witcher game. It's, it's, um, it's a new Witcher in the, in the series we've grown to love. Right. Um, but it's not a sequel. Does that make any sense? I, um, kind of. So, I mean, it's going to be like in the same universe, but maybe we're looking at like further down the line or something in terms of like a timeline. We, are we actually going to get, um, Geralt? Like, is he going to be, our main character or are we moving on to like an entirely different set of like cast of characters? They don't, they don't really say, I, I think that this is, this is CD project red saying we did our trilogy. We told the story we wanted to tell. Um, it acts as a, as a sequel to the books. Um, so now we want to tell a different story. It's going to be weird if they don't go with, with Geralt, but there's probably a lot of options. Like you could fast forward it even further and then have you play as Siri. And then Geralt is the new Vesemir, like sort of the the, the teacher, so to say. Mm. But this is so early days that that they're they're basically just confirming new Witcher game. It's not Witcher four, in the sense that right. this is not the continuation of Geralt's story as as we've been telling it. But that could all change uh, in the coming coming day or coming years because this is very early days. Probably a game that's not going to be out until probably 2025 if we're being if we're being realistic right because these those games are huge and they take forever yeah. to make 
Yeah, and so they've they've currently got three teams working. So we've got Cyberpunk 2077, which is coming out um, in the fall, right? It got fully bumped. Yeah, it's September now. September, yeah. Um, so there's one team that's doing DLC for them, one team who's doing multiplayer stuff for them, and then we've got another team that's working on this new Witcher game. So while Cyberpunk 2077 is still kind of current, then don't expect like crazy heavy development on Witcher 4, I would think. And then as they kind of spin down the team doing like DLC, like once that all gets finished for Cyberpunk, then I think those people will all move over onto Witcher 4 and then we'll really start to see, you know, ramping up of development on that game. We'll start to see, you know, sneak peeks and all the other hype stuff <laughs> that, mm. that, you know, game companies seem to think they have to do now. Yeah. So... Yeah, but I, I agree with you, Ryan. I think we're still, I mean, maybe 2025 is a little bit far. I would kind of hope we're looking at like 23 or 24, but. 24 yeah, might maybe. be possible, like like a May 24, you know. Um, the way they've been talking about the other two teams working on DLC, that's sort of like, like you said, keep the game fresh. But the multiplayer that they're looking to add wouldn't be added till 2022. So this yeah. is a, yeah. this is probably a five-year plan for, for going forward, but. Um, Cyberpunk 2077 was announced years before it even entered full-scale uh, development. It wasn't even announced. It was announced maybe a year before Witcher 3 came out. And yeah. uh, true development, like full-scale development on Cyberpunk 2077 didn't start until the two DLC packs were out for The Witcher 3. So yeah. it's, uh, it's interesting. Um, it's interesting that I, CD Yeah, Project you're Robert probably right. I'm just being super optimistic. <laughs> I mean, if Diablo comes out next year, we'll talk. How's that sound? Sounds good. Oh, totally not yawning. <laughs> um, you did a three-hour podcast really... yesterday, so I don't I know. Blame oh, you. my God. I am so drained <laughs> from that tack episode. Holy hell. I don't even remember the last time that we recorded an episode that was that long. I mean, we regularly do hour and a half to two-hour episodes of Faz, but uh, Anchor Chicken, man, whew, that was a lot. Yeah. If you guys aren't aware, if you guys don't listen to Angry Chicken or if you don't pay attention to Hearthstone, um, Hearthstone yesterday made essentially the biggest announcement in the history of the game since the actual launch of the game. So there was a lot to unpack. <laughs> um, but yeah, so if you guys are interested, there's literally a three hour Angry Chicken episode available for you right now. Um, but back to Gamers In. Mm hmm. You can uh, look forward to something else, hopefully way before 2025. Uh, I think this is so, holiday. Yeah, I know. I'm just <laughs> I'm trying to transition, Ryan. I don't know. Damn it's it. just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Go ahead. Uh, so Lego and Nintendo have partnered. And when I first read this, because I think it was in our notes to do last week. And we were just kind of running out of time. But when I first read this, I was like, OK, another Lego game. Cool. Whatever. But this is this is something different. <laughs> this is Lego and Nintendo partnering to make Lego Super Mario, but it's not what you're thinking. It's not a Mario game with a with a Lego skin over top. It's a physical Lego set with a Mario skin over top. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's like the the reverse of what you would kind of naturally think, given all of the, the like Lego branded games that we've gotten in the last like, well, I guess, God, 10 years now, because I remember like living 
and working for parks. And that was like fresh out of university slash college. And I was playing Lego Harry Potter on my Wii and it was glorious. So, I mean, like Lego has been making Lego branded video games out of these popular franchises for quite a long time now. Um, and they're just Nintendo's coming in with their, you know, ingenuity and flipping things on their heads. So you can actually build a physical Lego set into a Mario level. And I know you're saying, well, yeah, Joss, I can do that now with my Legos. I just, you know, like take the green ones and make little turtles and, and go. But... There are electronics involved, which is where the Nintendo part comes in. And you can actually like run your little Lego Mario and he's got like a face that lights up and like emotes. And then he's got like a, a little screen on his chest that like will tell you how much time you have left to complete the level and will like make sounds and stuff when you collect coins. This is like, this is, I, w I would never have thought of this. <laughs> yeah. I was watching the video when it first launched and I'm thinking to myself like, okay, if it was a Lego Mario game, yeah, I could buy it. No problem. Sight and seat. If it's, if it's Lego Mario sets, uh, it's a tougher sell, but still probably could buy at least one set just to have one. But now this, this is actually interesting because this is, this is very much, I think, uh, like a kid's toy. Um, and it's less about displaying because that's to me when I was a kid, Lego was playing. But then as you got older, Lego was then displaying. Like You built it. It was fun to yeah. build. And then you displayed it. This to me feels um, like a like that in between where it's like it, it's meant to be played with. It's not meant to be put on the shelf to display this thing you built. Uh, it's meant to be something you set up differently every day and and play through uh mario in yeah this, in this Lego it kind world. of has like the the mario maker like feel to it in that like you can there's enemies you can interact with like you can like jump on and again it makes sounds counts coins like all that kind of stuff um so there's enemies to interact with there are like mario will tell you when you're like standing in lava mm -hmm. like it, it is it's very it's very interactive and it's like you could very much do the Mario Maker thing, but like in real 3D space and just like make a little Mario level. And then like, I mean, obviously the jumping becomes pretty easy because <laughs> you can just pick Mario up and move him over. But, you know, I guess if you like use your imagination or whatever. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It doesn't seem like something I would play with, but yeah, I also am, am not a child. <laughs> well, and, and here's the thing. Like, I, I'm in the same boat. It's something I personally would not, not play with on my own. I would definitely, you know, check it out and kind of run through it. But it's not like, okay, I can't wait to get done work so I can go home and play my, my Mario set. But I think, you know, having uh, having kids has sort of made me look at these, these experiences that involve properties and, and IPs that I enjoy and be like, man... To be a kid, if this thing came out when I was a kid, I would be all over it. But now, and I said to Ashley, he's like, we got to show this to Caden because he would love it. And then immediately I thought, well, if I show it to Caden, he'll be asking me every day to check if it's in stock because that's his thing. <laughs> if he sees a toy, he's like, well, can we get it? And I'm like, well, I don't know if it's in stock. Well, check if it's in stock. And he literally makes you Google it to see if it's at the store and, and you know, it's never in stock. <laughs> 
because, imagine that <laughs> yeah sorry Caden, if you're listening to the archive and you made it back this far it was in stock um it's just uh, it's expensive you can plastic. buy literally everything well so, i mean sorry Caden. <laughs> outside of the couple things he's asking for but you you, you get where i'm coming from um yeah. but with this i uh, ashley's like you better not show it to him because he's gonna when's it come out like he's gonna be asking for it every day and i could totally see myself getting this and and playing with Caden. i think it's he's right at the cusp where he would play with it and not destroy it. Mm -hmm. It would have to be a toy that he plays with, um, with me and probably unfortunately without his sister, his sister still is quite young and, and doesn't maybe understand (laughs) the nuances. Not to swallow the Legos. (laughs) Well, not necessarily swallow them, but like throw them across the room or like be very rough with them. This still very much looks like you have to, you have to be very, you know, precise with your movements, right? Yeah, but, um, it did. Yeah, sure. with 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 supervision, I think it could be played by younger kids. But I think the goal here is like eight eight to twelve, eight to maybe twelve is too old, like eight to ten, that sort of age group, six to mm. ten. I don't know. I only understand kids at the age I have them at. So uh, yeah, I was gonna say I am gonna be of no help to you here <laughs> because I have literally no idea at what point kids would stop wanting to play with a Mario Lego. <laughs> I don't know. Like I think when I was a kid, I always latched onto things I enjoyed for a few years longer than everybody else um <laughs> I, hey i mean i had fun with stuff and uh i was playing pokemon cards while people were like that's lame you know and and <laughs> you know i'm picturing like little kid ryan and just like other kids walking by and just looking and going that's lame and just keeping walking and i was like is that your old childhood Poor no ryan. <laughs> No, <laughs> Yu-Gi-Oh. Sure, when I played Yu-Gi-Oh cards, that was uh, that was a fun time. But you know, uh, once you get into high school, there's just more people you have to deal with, and there's enough That's of them true. that don't play and think it's silly. And yeah, it's it just doesn't seem to be it. nowadays though. Everything's cool all the time, so it's fine. Uh, it's but, true. But yeah, no, I'm really looking forward to. It. I think it's a neat idea, and and honestly, leave it to Nintendo to be like like to go to Lego and be like no. We want something completely unique and never thought of, and uh, you're going to do it. It's going to be great. Yeah. And it's probably going to sell like hotcakes. Oh, I bet it is. I bet it is. We, I mean, let's be honest. We'll probably get a set, and then we'll just set it up, and it'll just sit in our house. <laughs> sure. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll buy whatever the Mario thing comes with. Maybe there's at least like a little set. That's all I would really want personally for myself. But, you know, it, it, it looks really well done. It looks really cool. It's definitely a unique idea. And uh, yeah, so we'll see what happens with that. But you said it's coming uh, holiday. We'll have a a link in the show notes if you guys want to go check it out. But it's basically just in the news at lego.com. So go and check it out. Uh, So the kind of meat of our news story this week comes from Microsoft and Sony because we've now had details coming out about PlayStation 5 and the Xbox Series X in terms of Very, very, very boring tech-facing conferences. (laughs) And uh, I tried to watch the PlayStation 1 today, and oh my god. (laughs) The uh, presenter that they had talking about the hardware was so... Just had such an interesting voice that I just... I couldn't couldn't listen to it. It was like he was doing this like ASMR type, um, like telling, telling people things and thinking that almost like he thought they were going to like panic or something. So he was trying to calm them down at the same time. Like 
it was just oh man he he had such a, a a weirdly interesting voice but it was like putting me to sleep and plus he was just talking about like straight up hardware so oh he was I, he was not just talking about hardware he was talking about like the intricacies of how the hardware yeah. works with everything and i had and flashbacks. i was bored to tears <laughs> <laughs> i i i was joking which i mean the, to be fair this was not for me like this was not a, a consumer focused um presentation <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we were talking about that pre-show in, in the sense that both the, this past month, um, Xbox released not in a 40 minute presentation, a dry presentation, but in like they did a a four section tweet and a link on their blog. But then also, hey, for those tech nerds, here's the digital foundry video where you can listen to two guys talk about this hardware for 40 minutes. And it's optional, whereas on the PlayStation side, they led with the fact of we're going to have a deep dive, and they said a deep dive on the PlayStation 5 system architecture. That, to me, spells, yeah, we're not seeing games here. Super this nerd stuff. Super nerd stuff, and I had <laughs> super flashbacks to, like, college hardware class where people are, like, it literally going into the intricacies of how how hardware works, and you can tell that I, I aced that class. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I was listening to this presentation today and I and I, I thought to myself, like, at the very least, we can I can give them this. They explained it in such detail, but in such a way that I was able to understand. And, and again, I'm not a hardware person, but it made sense to me, even though it was so dry. Mm. Uh, I mean, the if you look at the average consumer, they don't care about this stuff. Um, they care how much it costs and they care what the games look and play like. And yeah. for the people who do care about what's in the guts of these things, you're either a developer um, or you're 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 saying, oh, well, I have my PC and, you know, whatever. This sucks. Yeah. <laughs> Again, a bad impression it's, of The I Rock, mean, but you get my where I'm coming from. <laughs> it's it's kind of true, though. I mean, like, whenever we're talking about the next generation of consoles, they're always going to be a little bit behind PC. And I mean, it's just that's just the nature of the machines, right? Like, PCs can be huge. PCs can be expensive. Like, it, it's mm -hmm. kind of ex expected. But like, the challenge that console makers are always going to face is to get as close as possible to PC performance, but put it in something small and sleek that's going to fit underneath a television. So, I mean, I don't envy them at all. And they're obviously doing great jobs to, you know, shove as many guts into these tiny little black boxes as they possibly can. But yeah, it's uh, they're still performance wise going to fall short of the PC. And that's OK, because you know, they create their own ecosystem of games made to run on their specific hardware. So, I mean, Xbox is doing... The, this is the one thing that we didn't really get a whole lot of. And at the beginning of the presentation, the PlayStation guy legit said, like, there will be time later to talk about games. We're here to talk about hardware. And I kind of went, and snooze fest. <laughs> but, um, yeah, like, oh, PlayStation, I think in terms of games is probably in the better position of the two to like make us buy their console because Xbox is doing the whole um, day and date thing. So it, like if it's on Xbox, it'll be on PC, uh, whether that'll be, you know, on anything other than, you know, the Microsoft store remains to be seen. But basically you'll be able to buy 
Xbox exclusives on the Microsoft store and and play them on your on your PC. So I have much less of a reason to go grab an Xbox mm. than I do to uh, go grab a PlayStation because PlayStation is going to be like, here's the Horizon Zero Dawn 2. Yeah, have the, the special edition console. And I'll be like, take all of my money. Here it is <laughs> because I can't play the sequel to one of my favorite games in any other place than on the PlayStation 5. So, yeah, like, uh, I don't know. As much as the like looking at the tech of these two consoles, like I'm hoping that they're like their games are built specifically for their hardware, right? So well, and this is the thing. Um, when you look at what was talked about at the PlayStation sort of stream, they talk a lot about the hardware working. Every piece of the hardware is working together to just deliver you the the best possible looking game that this hardware can squeeze out and that's the point of these consoles is just the right combination of you know sync together hardware to really get the best possible graphics of this configuration and i mean when you when you look at what they're talking about where the basis of all this is is the ssd and then every piece of technology they build around that heart that that uh, that storage device is built to remove bottlenecks that was something they were talking about in the hardware talk of well once we add an ssd we have to like look at all the other bottlenecks you know the cpu the gpu and how those work together and i mean i'm not going to get into the details because i know when i do i'm going to do it wrong and uh i'm not mark cerny uh he he was able to explain this much better i think i i I look at this and i see you know two two consoles both the xbox series x and the playstation 5 using ssd technology and improved uh gpu and cpu power to try to deliver um the the next generation of games and you talked about you know playing your xbox games on your pc i think that's fine for the first few years of the xbox series x while the next generation truly gets going but with every generational leap of the console with new hardware developers are now pushing their games to the next level so games on pc let's take doom eternal for example which is launching uh, at the end of the week doom eternal on pc which is tied to you know so it's tied to a certain extent to let's say the xbox one x and the ps4 pro that is a specific level of hardware that is going to jump uh quite drastically at the end of this year. So you're going to start seeing games in a couple years that are hitting that new benchmark. So you might have to actually upgrade your PC and a new video card can probably cost about a thousand dollars, depending on the level at which you're trying to, to sort of hit. So yeah, at some point in the next generation, if you are someone who, who wants to play your games, um, uh, at max settings or even at smooth settings, you're going to probably have to look at a hardware upgrade because developers are going to be targeting that next sort of level of, of hardware. Um, and that's the thing with these console launches, people like people with PCs say like, Oh, well I'll just stick with PC. And I mean, that's fine, but we are going to be looking at, at a new some generation. point. The games. Yeah. At some point the games are going to outpace your PC and you're going to have to upgrade anyways. Yeah. And, and I upgrade, I usually end up having to upgrade my PC, like, or at least components of it at the halfway mark of each console, because 
it works for a little bit, but then you start to get hitches. You start to have to make sacrifices in resolution or textures. And some people are fine with that and others just, you know, they want to play the way the developers wanted you to play. And there are exceptions to this rule. Like not every PC game that comes out is tied to console hardware, but a majority of AAA, um, you know, mass audience games are are tied to you know the ps4 or the or the xbox one or in this case will be tied to the series x and the playstation 5 so it's uh it's kind of it's one of those things where you you just you buy the platform for most people they're gonna have one platform and you just buy what you're most comfortable with and i think that's um outside of nintendo you can pretty much go with any one of these pc xbox series x and ps5 and, and you'll be content there'll be plenty of games for you to play and they'll look great um again the only outlier is do you want to play nintendo games you know yeah <laughs> and i, yeah, I know, very, I know that frustrates true. people but the switch was, was a good one we got a good one we're on a we're on a good year or a good cycle for nintendo <laughs> just don't yeah i mean i kind of i'm a little bit um worried about what might happen next for nintendo because i mean in the past they've kind of had a universally loved console and then uh not so much and then a universally loved one and then a not so much so i hope that the next one isn't a not so much because the switch is really good i like my switch a lot i think what they did with previous generations when you look at the one gen the one you know generational leap for nintendo that really bummed me out was when you look at the Wii to the Wii U, the Wii yeah. was a console that launched very strongly and then petered out in its last few years, like very harsh drop off in terms of its of what it could do and its popularity and its sustainability. And then if you look at the Wii U, that is an extension of the Wii. Like it's literally in the name to the sense that it was doomed to failure right off the bat because you were you were attaching yourself when you were developing when they were developing the console it was tied to a, a phenomenon that was doing really well but then when it launched the Wii was uh not doing so hot right so well, and i think a lot of people looked at that and thought oh well why do i need a wii u i already mm -hmm. have a wii which is really interesting and I, and I wonder if it has to do with maybe like the numbering convention that playstation has gone with because i mean like playstation people don't look at that and go, oh, well, I already have a four. I don't need a five. They look at that and go, oh, yeah, I need the next one. Whereas I feel like a lot of people, uh, granted, the the Wii audience, I think, was a much more casual gaming audience than uh, the ones that are generally attracted to PlayStation and Xbox. But I feel like people who owned a Wii were just like, oh, well, I don't need a Wii U like I think they saw it almost like a 0.5 or like an unnecessary upgrade like the Wii was fine for what it was doing it was playing everything they needed it to play they weren't interested in like the next chapter of the Zelda story they were like can I play Wii bowling mm -hmm. yes excellent yeah. that's all I need <laughs> so I think a lot of the success came from the casual gamer um, and they weren't interested in an upgrade yeah yeah and i mean if you look at the switch i think they were able to develop something that was that, that was good for the casual gamer but also good for the hardcore gamer and even the in-between and i think that's why it's doing so well and i think if you look at the principle of the wii to the wii u and think maybe nintendo i think nintendo's learned their lessons but let's say they apply the same mentality and they do like a like a switch 2 
that is a like the switch is a brand name where they'd be silly to to drop it like they could they could do something with it like on it do i picture a nintendo that had that goes back to you know a handheld and a and a and a home console again like no i i love the way they're what they're doing with the with the switch um i mean time will tell but i don't this is the beauty of it and kind of weird that we're talking about it and what i'm going to say is that <laughs> nintendo and nintendo switch nintendo is not worried at all about the ps5 and the xbox series x and i think yeah they're in a they're, position they this went time to do it they just went on their own path i think mm-hmm. and it's very interesting because I mean, when they when we were sitting on the Wii U and looking forward to what Nintendo might do, I don't think anyone really saw the Switch coming and saw how successful it was going to be. I mean, myself included. Um, I mean, at that, before the Switch, I was literally saying they should just stop making hardware and license like and and build their games, but just build for Xbox and PlayStation. Like, just become a software developer. Um, because their their first party properties, like their their Mario's and Zelda's, are so good. Like they're great games, but they're sometimes like hindered by the fact that they're only on Nintendo. So go develop for the other ones, and you'll be fine. But the Switch proved me completely wrong because they showed that they can still innovate and be different. And because the Switch is so different from these other offerings, like PlayStation and Xbox are just so interchangeable. Like they are powerful consoles. They're doing you know very heavy lifting and the switch is like well that's great you guys fight it out over there we're gonna go build another sandbox and we're gonna play over here and they've actually successfully done that now Mm -hmm. yeah i mean um i mean the real question after all of this is are you gonna buy animal crossing on friday i mean that's that's the core no come on it's getting perfect reviews let's go (laughs) Okay, I don't even want to talk about review <laughs> scores because that's a whole other rabbit hole to go down. But I don't know, man. I just don't think it's my jam. I, and 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 you know, jokes aside, uh, I think Animal Crossing is very much a. Uh, it it has to be your jam to enjoy it because if if man, I've tried to play it a couple of different times, a couple like. There was the first time I tried to play it was like way back on the GameCube, and I was like, "WTF? Even is this game? This is really weird. <laughs> I, I don't like GameCube it." One. Yeah, well, no, and I bought a used jam, version and I think it like had, I don't know. Anyways, whatever. It doesn't matter. It didn't suck me in. And then I tried to buy it on whatever the hell console it was. I don't 3DS. even remember if it was a console or handheld. It was a handheld. Okay. So yeah. And everybody else, by the time I got it, everybody else had stopped playing. So then I didn't have the community feel that everyone was raving about. Hmm. And so now I'm just like, I've never really enjoyed it. I can't see myself spending a huge amount of time on it so because i have so many other time sync games now that i don't know man i just can't see myself playing animal crossing and i know some people love it it is like their game it's like the one thing they play i'm so happy for you guys that you're getting another version of that i don't think it's worth me buying though no that's fine that's totally fine so you're gonna check out doom and i'll check out uh animal crossing (laughs) Oh man, I don't even think I'm gonna check out Doom because Doom is also not my jam. Um, I'm Matt's just probably honestly, buying it. You could, you yeah, could Matt's gonna it. buy it, and then I'll just be able to, you know, walk by his office and he'll be playing Doom, and I'll get to look at the screen like every time I walk by the door, and I'll just go ew, and then I'll keep going. Yeah, which is literally what happened when we shared an office in our old place. 
Every time I'd look over, I'd be like, oh, what are you doing? What are you, what oh, are you tearing apart? What like, are you? Why, yeah. <laughs> why are you? Uh, what did that demon ever do to you? Oh, I don't yeah. know. Jocelyn took over Earth. Come on. I'm sorry. You're I'm right. just making. Yep, uh, we are we talking be. about Animal Crossing? No, we're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, those games are coming on the same day. It's going to be very confusing for everyone involved, but uh, we'll get through this together. And uh, yeah, don't don't buy Animal Crossing. If you didn't like New Leaf and you didn't dig it on your own, because I always played Animal Crossing. Uh, it's a solo experience. Like I don't think the multiplayer aspect of it, unless you're sharing. So Animal Crossing to me on the GameCube was the only multiplayer one that I did because I played it with my three brothers and we would share you shared the same town you shared it on on the memory card on the single console and that was fun because you'd go in and, and you'd basically have your time with the town and then you'd come back in and say like oh that bastard he stole my NES or something like that you know and uh which was possible I think or he didn't do his his quadrant of the town so there's a bunch of weeds everywhere a little bugger it's basically a chore simulator is I guess what it comes down to so Mm-hmm. I, I don't blame you. <laughs> well, and the thing is, I have so many of those now, right? Like, I've got dailies I have to do in Dead yeah. by Daylight. I've got, you know, a ladder to grind now, two ladders to grind in Hearthstone because I'm playing so much Battlegrounds. Like, I've got my dailies over in World of Warcraft to keep my character up to date. Like, I just, yeah. Not to mention actual home ownership, right? Like, yeah, yeah, that's the that's always last on the list, which, you know, I, it's always funny because when company comes by, I'm like, oh, my God, I have to spend like a whole day to clean the house top to bottom because it gets so neglected. Uh, yeah, th- that's definitely my uh, last last dailies that I ever get to do. Yep. So I forgot bottom to... bottom of the priority list. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my my laundry rep is down. Oh, no. This yeah. Gonna, oh, this yeah. Gonna fly. Yeah. Uh, no, I feel you. I feel you. But I mean, uh, I will I will report back on Animal Crossing. I'll try to get some time with it before uh, before we record next. Awesome. So if you guys are looking for that, you can visit us on the web at gamersinpodcast.com. You can also email the show at info gamersinpodcast.com or you can follow us on Twitter. You can find me, Jocelyn at Joss Plays, Ryan is at R. Murphy. And don't forget to follow the show at The Gamers In. Thanks for staying at The Gamers In. Remember, tune in next week. Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone.